Now I want to talk about sin and the truth. Last night I spoke about sin and the heart. This morning I just want to briefly talk about sin and the truth. Um, last night I, I opened by asking the question, Who of you are tired of struggling with ongoing patterns of sin? Who of you are tired with ongoing struggles against sin? Yeah, I hope so. I really hope so. You see, despite being saved, even being in Christ, washed by the blood of the Christ, being indwelled by the Holy Spirit, we still struggle with sin. It's like sin just doesn't go away overnight. Our struggle continues. John Owen said, be killing sin or what? Sin will be killing you. So it's this ongoing bat battle. But the beauty, and that's the key word last night, and it will be the key word today, and it will be a key word tomorrow, is there is hope. Hope in the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Because through Christ we overcome sin. It's through Christ that the sting of, of sin and death is no longer. So, even at your best interests, um, you could follow a system of rules. It's not going to change you. Christ changes. Ezekiel says that he takes the heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. He changes the heart. That's what we learned last night. But today we also need to talk about what's true, what's true about us, what's true about sin, what's true about Scripture. So I have two questions today. The first question is, what truths do you need to turn to? What truths do you need to turn to? The follow-up question is, what desires do you need to turn from? So you need, there's a turning to and a turning from. You need to turn to the truth, but what is that truth? And you need to turn from desire, but what desire? So firstly, according to Psalm 103 verse 2, it says the following, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You see, in our struggle with sin, many of us do too much listening to ourselves. We listen to ourselves too much, isn't it? We should preach to ourselves, not listen to ourselves. Are you with me? Because if we're, if we're always listening to the heart, we're going to have a problem. Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. But what does verse 10 say? We all memorize verse 9. Who knows it but God does. Right. Verse 10 says, I the Lord. So the Lord knows the heart. And then, you know, as people we like to say, but the Lord knows my heart. Yes, and that's scary, because he knows every detail, every thought, every desire, every measure. Now, we need to preach the truth of God's word to ourselves, just like the psalmist does. We shouldn't listen to ourselves, but preach to ourselves. You see, 
sin, we sin because we believe the lie that we are better off without God. That's the lie that sin sells us. Sin says you can have this and it's better than God. It's better than what God can offer you. That's sin. We believe that we could uh, escape under the supposed oppressive rule of God. You know, God's just a God of rules and He's so oppressive. He has so many rules, you know. That's why He's different from the Old Testament. He's not like that anymore. That's not true. Hebrews 13 says He's the same. In fact, God says, I am not man that I should lie. So God doesn't change. Our understanding of Him needs to change. The truth that we need to know of Him needs to change. This means that fighting sin in our life requires a deep understanding of the truth. If we don't know the truth of the gospel, then we aren't going to change. We're not going to desire to delight in the Lord. We're not going to desire true worship. Because listen, when you fall into your sin, do you feel like repenting? Be honest. As you indulge in your temptation and it gives life to sin, at that point, do you feel like repentance? Do you feel like worship? We don't. That's why we need the truth. The truth, yes, brings conviction. But there's hope in that conviction. Because it leads to change. It leads to change. Listen, if we forget this truth, that God is great, that God is glorious, that God is good, that God is gracious. If we forget these things in our sin, we will have a restless anger. Have you ever had that? It's like just this unending anger within you. And you, you take it out on any, anyone and everyone near you. Your family experiences it, your spouse experiences it, your colleagues experience it. And, you know, it's almost too late when someone comes to you and says, what is going on with you lately? There's this restless anger. There's also like a joyless duty. It's like, oh, but I have to go to church. It's just, you have to do that. Why do you feel that way? You feel that way because you're not remembering the truth of God's goodness, God's grace, God's glory. And so now you feel, I'm obligated. No, there's, there, there should be no joyless duty. It should be a joy to serve, a joy to obey. You know what's another thing that happens in our sin when we don't repent? Anxious performance. Anxious performance. Let me explain what this means. It's when people try to perform day after day. You know, as an example, Christian leaders will try and preach a wonderful sermon every week. Parents will try and produce lovely children. Workers will put in long hours. And all of it is a desperate attempt to prove ourselves. For what? Because we're denying the truth and we're indulging in, our, in, in the hardness of heart, in the pursuit of, of sin. And so in this, in this ongoing performance, we cannot justify ourselves. Listen, Christianity is not hard. It isn't. It's to simply trust on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it is. 
it it feels hard it seems hard because we see what sin does we experience what sin does and so now we say but christianity is hard it isn't it's liberating because it's a, it's of a redeemer who has purchased our freedom that's liberation it's not that christianity is hard it's that you're so focused on what sin is doing to you that you are missing the grace of Jesus Christ. Something else that happens is a proud comparison. Now, Scripture has the best illustration of this. Remember the, the tax collector and the Pharisee? And they go into the temple, and what does the Pharisee do? Scripture says, And he spoke to himself, saying, I am thankful that I'm not like this sinner. Right? People assume he was praying. No, no. Scripture says he was speaking to himself. He wasn't praying. He was saying, I am thankful that I'm not like this. Pointing to the tax collector. Saying, I'm not like this sinner. And what was the sinner doing? Scripture says he beat his chest. Right? There's a realization, an urgency, a need for salvation, an awareness of, of sin and, 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 and its devastation. But instead of that, there's this proud comparison. We disguise pride as if it's kindness and um, we compare ourselves with those around us. And we try and climb this righteous ladder. You know, the Pharisees did that. And Paul addresses this in, in the book of Romans. The Pharisees believed that they had they achieved a level of righteousness they knew it wasn't the level of god's righteousness so they created their own level of righteousness and so if people don't live up to this level of righteousness then they can't be god's people do you know what that is it's a proud comparison it's self-righteousness it's self-righteousness and paul rebuked them he said to them, no matter how good you think you are, you don't know Christ. You don't know Him. You don't know Him. So, what truths do we need to turn to? Because that's the question. What truths do we need to turn to? I'll give you four. They're really easy. Four G's, right? Think of four G. I know we're at five G these days. And, you know, the zombie... Uh, what was that? COVID and zombies and 5G and all this nonsense. I'll give you four G's, alright? Four G's. The first is this. God is great. That's a truth we need to turn to. God is great. This means that I don't have to be in control. He is in control. Isn't that a grace? Because, listen... We might think we're in control. There's this picture on the internet of a kid on a swing. And behind him in the background is a house busy burning down. That's what it looks like when we think we're in control. Right? We think, oh, I've got this. I've got this. But in the meantime, the, the background is busy burning down. No, no. The grace is God is great. You don't have to be in control. He is in control. The second G is this, God is glorious. And because God is glorious, it means we don't have to fear others. 
We only need to fear the Lord. There's no need to impress man. There's no need to fear man. God is glorious. Number three, God is good. This means that we don't have to look anywhere else but to God. God is good. Number four, God is gracious, which means we don't have to prove ourselves. Are you with me? God is gracious. We don't need to prove ourselves. In fact, we can't prove ourselves. We'll try, but we'll fail. So, four G's, that's the truth. Okay? But what do we need to turn from? Because that's what it means to repent. Repent means to turn away from, but also to turn to. So what are we turning away from? What desires do we turn away from? I want to read a, a passage. You should know by heart. 1 Peter 1.16 Anyone know it? Now's your chance to prove. <laughs> Kidding. 1 Peter 1.16, Peter quotes and he says, Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Peter quotes from the book of Leviticus, a book of laws, a book of ritual, right? Given to man for the sake of purity, for the sake of cleansingness. Now, what's the reason for this passage? I bring us to this passage because I want to tell you that God's agenda for our lives is for us to be holy. Because He is holy. Now do we, do we perform holiness? Yes, no? Do we perform holiness? Holiness is the fruit of what we think or trust or what we desire or worship now holiness for us sometimes might mean that we worship and desire false gods and so our standard of holiness becomes whatever we desire at that moment and you know what happens we sin we either pursue the lust in our hearts we pursue the idolatry that was put before us and we forget that God is truly holy. Listen, every sin begins in the heart with a sinful desire. The progression from sinful desire to sinful action is inescapable because the desire of the heart is the determination and direction of our lives. If you want to go in a certain direction, no matter what God's word says, if you want to go in that direction, you will go that direction. And you know what that is? It's rebellion. It's rebellion. Because we go against God's agenda for holiness. Now, when this happens, the Bible says we must repent. We must turn away from those sinful desires. Because here it is. God is bigger than our sinful desires. Have you ever being tempted and walked away from the temptation I'm sure you have at least in some way you were tempted and were able to walk away and not sin you know how hard it is right because as you 
overcome this temptation? What lingers in the back of your head? At any moment I can go back. At any moment I can go back. It's still there. So in a sense we, we haven't completely overcome the temptation. But God is bigger than this temptation. I want to say that sin isn't unavoidable for a child of God. Do you know why sin isn't unavoidable? Anyone? <laughs> we spoke last night. We're just human, hey? Isn't it? What does Romans 7 say? Right. Paul says, the things that I should do, I don't do. The things I shouldn't do, I do. Was Paul an unbeliever when he said that? No. He's a mature believer when he says these things. Don't say, but I, I'm a child of God. I will never sin. You know what First John says? You're a liar. If you say you're without sin, you're a liar. So sin is there. That's the truth. Sin is there. But we can change. We need to believe the truth that God is bigger than our sinful desires. That is worth more than our sinful desires. I want to ask this question in closing. In the face of sin's temptation or defeat, you get angry, I suppose. The question is, what are you not getting that you want? When you're faced with temptation, what is it that you want that you're not getting? And what is it that you're getting that you don't want? Are you with me? Because the response then is anger. I'm not getting this thing that I want. Or I'm getting this thing and I don't want it. When you're anxious, what is being threatened? Something is being threatened that causes you to be anxious. What's being threatened? Is it your throne? Your crown? When you're despondent, what have you lost or failed at? What do you think you need to have in order to be happy? What do you think you need to have in order to be happy? The truth says, we can be content in every circumstance. Therefore, we don't need to get angry we don't need to be anxious. We don't need to be despondent when we face life's challenges. But we are. We do grow weary. We do get upset. And we do sin in our anger, isn't it? What's the cure? What's the remedy? First John says, walk in the light. Walk in the light. 
Friends, when we when we walk in the light, sin's charge is not so piercing, is it? When we're transparent, think about it. It's because we try and hide sin that it's so devastating when people find out about it, isn't it? Because we try to hide it so well and then it still comes to light and now we're like, oh, I tried, you know. That's the wrong motive. John says, if we confess our sins, doesn't Jesus Christ cleanse us? Yes. That's the remedy. That's how we change, is by walking in the light, being transparent. James says, by confessing our sins to one another. All of a sudden, is sin as weighty? No. No, because beyond that, something is taking place in our hearts. And it's this. We are worshipping in spirit and in truth. When we're transparent, we are worshipping in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit's not grieved. In fact, He's mediating on our behalf. So my dear friends, to wrap it all up this morning, here is the comfort. God has revealed His truth for us. In fact, Second Peter says He's given us the ability to live life. He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness in the truth. And He's also gracious. He's gracious despite our sinful pursuits, despite our wrong desires. He is gracious. So we can change. We should change. We do change. Let's pray. And then we can just ask a few questions, comments. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this instruction. Um, I pray that this would just be a comforting truth that, that, that pierces our hearts to give us an awareness that we can't play with sin. We can't entertain sin as if it's something that we wash off in the shower. The ultimate cure for sin was you dying on a cross, you giving your life, you being rejected by the Holy Father. And so let us have such an awareness of, of sin's wage. And let us be transparent. I pray that you'd give us the strength and the wisdom. And so we ask it in your name. Amen.